Good morning, church. I wanted to start this morning by um, sharing something that happened last month. Some of you know that I went on a missions trip to India last month, and I was there in India for seven days. I was there for uh, a missions trip, and I was with my son. And during that time, we went through a little bit of a shock. And the shock was that there was just no media in India. And so for seven days, there was no Wi-Fi, and there was no internet, and there was, I mean, we had our iPhones, but there was no contact with the outside world, no news about politics, no movies. For seven days, I know you guys are thinking, like, how in the world did you make it? Um, but that really happened. It was one of the most outstanding things about the missions trip. But a weird sort of thing happened during those seven days. Like with seven days and no media, we actually spent a lot more time like talking to people. And we were playing like card games at night and we're laughing and we're sharing and it was more time with, with God and I came back from India with a strange sort of conviction that media-free living is actually a better way to live. Do you guys think that's true? Um, it, it certainly felt like it was true. I know some of you are like, really? Um, but it certainly felt like it was true. And so when I came back, I kind of like boldly declared, I didn't announce it over Facebook. I might have told my wife, but I, I, I basically said, I'm going to go media-free for as long as I can while I'm in the Bay Area. And then two hours later, no, I'm joking. No, uh, actually, I held out for, uh, I think it was like 14 days. I think I, it was 14 days, and then old patterns started to creep back in. That is my honest confession. There is a man by the name of Max Dupree, and he's the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He's a very influential leader, devoted Christian. You might have heard the name before. But he was at a leadership conference, and he was doing a Q&A. And someone asked him, what is your greatest leadership challenge? And he said, my greatest leadership challenge is intercepting entropy. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. I don't, entropy, that might... For, for, the, for the really smart people in the room, realize that when we talk about entropy, it's a very loose definition of entropy, right? And uh, the idea of entropy is that the, it's rooted in the idea that the universe is winding down and everything that is left to itself has a tendency to break down and fall apart. That's what he meant. Intercepting entropy means like, if something is left by itself, it's going to break down and fall apart. Now, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced this for yourselves? I experience this on a regular basis. Actually, it happens the very moment that I clean up my apartment. You know what I'm talking about? When was the last time you cleaned up your apartment, you cleaned up your house, you cleaned up your office? It's interesting, I'm like cleaning up my house, and while I'm cleaning up my house, my kids are messing up the house in real time. And I'm looking at them messing up my house, and I'm cleaning up the house, and I feel like they're messing it up at a faster rate than I can clean, you know? 
That is entropy in full effect. What about you guys? Do you guys experience that? Now, when I came back from India, I'm like, media-free living is a better way to live. And then left all by itself, life kind of goes in a way that I don't want it to go. I, old patterns came back. And I think that's the reality of things. If we are not very intentional about life going a certain way, then old patterns and life just kind of, you veer off course and, and life, and then you, you wind up in a place and you're like, how in the world did I get there? I think it happens for all the people in the room who have kids, you know, kids left by themselves will go in a way where we kind of don't want them to go, right? And it's very true about relationships. Relationships, if we're not very intentional about relationships, they will go in a way where we don't want it to go. Relationships with kids, relationships with parents, relationships with best friends, roommates, spouse. There's misunderstanding, and then there's a lack of forgiveness, and then it festers, and there's bitterness. You guys know what I'm talking about. Relationships, if left on their own, will go in a way you don't want it to go. It's very true in a relationship with God, same thing. If we're not very intentional, it will go where we don't want it to go. We'll take him for granted. Life has a way of squeezing out time with him, and then your passion will eventually deteriorate and fade. It's true with priorities, your time, how you spend your resources, what you do in your free time, the person you want to become if we're not very intentional about becoming the person God has called us to become. Well, it goes in a way that we don't want it to go. So, what do we do about that? Can we all agree that it's a big problem? And we got to stop entropy. And so, this is where this question of how do we stop entropy? How do we live an intentional life? This is where Advent actually has everything to do with the question. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but one of the purposes of Advent is that by reflecting on the first Christmas, it gets you ready for the second Christmas. We don't normally refer to Jesus coming back as the second Christmas. Let me rephrase that. By, by thinking about the first coming and reflecting on the first coming, it gets you ready for the second coming. And... Um, if we live every day in preparation for the second coming, man, that will stop entropy like nothing else. And so that is what we're talking about during this series, and that's what we're talking about today as we go through Matthew 24. And uh, I believe that there, if there is anyone in this uh, sanctuary that needs a mid-course correction, and if there's anyone here that needs clarity on what's most important in life, man, Matthew 24 and 25 is the best place to go. One of the best places to go. And that's where we're going uh, this morning. All right, so uh, let's go verse by verse. Starting in verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Okay, I want to give a little bit of a context. Now, Jesus is giving this teaching. There is a first part. There's a second part. Right now, we're actually going through the second part. But the second part is in response to a question. And the question at the beginning of the chapter, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the question was basically, 
Jesus, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back and judge the world? When is the end of the world going to happen? They're looking for a time on the calendar. And basically, when Jesus says um, the, the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels, not even me, but only the Father, what Jesus is saying is, look, you're on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know, right? You all with me? Here's what you do need to know, verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus is now talking about a story in the Old Testament. Most people know the story. Noah was told by God that he was going to bring judgment to earth in the form of a great flood. And so Noah was commissioned to build a great ark. And so while Noah and his family were busy swinging hammers, uh, this is what other people on the planet were doing. Verse 38. For as in those days before the flood, they were, uh, can you guys uh, say the next three words? They were eating and, okay, and they were, what's the next word? And giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now question, question, is eating and drinking bad? And you guys say, no, is, is getting married a bad thing or giving your daughter or your son in marriage? You say, it depends on the person, right? <laughs> right, and that's what you're thinking, right? But, but eating and drinking is not bad. What is it? It's normal life. That's what you did this morning. That's what you did yesterday. Giving someone, it, it's, 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 it's normal life. Not bad, it's just what people do when they don't know that a natural disaster is about to sweep the land. That's what you do. You just, that's what you do. But if you do know that a terrible earthquake is coming, or if you do know that a flood is coming, then your priorities in life change. You'd you be swinging that hammer, right? That is priority number one. Build the ark is priority number one, because when you know, it changes things, right? 39. And so they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. All right, now at this point in the message and we're going through the scripture, I think at this point some people are starting to feel a little uncomfortable. And some people are, are starting to feel like, hold it, I don't understand what's happening right now. It's Advent season and I wanted to hear about little baby Jesus in the manger and, and oh he's so cute and the angels are singing and people are laughing and drinking eggnog. What are you doing talking about a flood coming sweeping people away in judgment? Andrew you're ruining the holiday spirit. Yeah maybe but there's fear that's in the air. There's tension. There's judgment. And uh what do we do with that fear? Right? I think that's one question naturally emerges from the text. I promise you we'll get back to this, but let's just acknowledge it. It's there. Verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding the mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. All right. We're talking about people being taken right now. Two men in there in the field. They're probably working. Two women are grinding at the mill. They're working. One person is taken. One person is left behind. So we're asking questions like, is the person taken away to judgment? 
or is, is it the other way around? Is the person taken away to glory to be with Jesus before he comes back and the person that's left behind is left for judgment? And my best answer is, I don't know. I mean, I consulted commentaries and they were like, oh, we don't know, we don't know, right? So I don't know, but I do know this, and all the, all the scholars agree. Two people are kind of doing the everyday normal stuff and then boom, flash, they're separated. One is separated to judgment, one is separated to be saved. That's what we know, okay? I don't know which one is which, but I do know they're separated, one, one's judged, one's saved, and that's what we do. 42, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into Therefore, <clears throat> therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you got to ask, why is it therefore? Therefore, you also must be ready. So this is, this is what you got to remember. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. All right, this is the funny illustration. It's a funny illustration because Jesus starts talking about the thief and in this illustration, who represents the thief? Jesus, which is a little weird, kind of like a questionable illustration. Why? Well, here's the thing. Jesus comparing himself to a thief, not in, in terms of morality, that, that would be a little bit ridiculous, but in terms of what? Unexpectedness. Now, I want you to think about this. What does a thief have that the homeowner and the security system doesn't have. Thief might carry a weapon, but the homeowner might carry a weapon. You know, he might have a taser, the homeowner might have a gun. What's the one advantage that the homeowner has? I'm sorry, that the thief has that the homeowner doesn't. Surprise, unexpectedness. I'm coming and you have no idea when I'm coming. That's what he leverages, surprise. Unexpectedness. No, so now if that's the case, and we're unpacking this illustration, and before this illustration, Jesus says, Jesus says, stay awake. You're like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean to stay awake? What does that mean to stay awake? <laughs> Actually, right now, you guys stay awake. <laughs> There's a literal interpretation. How about this one? Therefore, we're like, okay, that's important. Therefore, what? So all this is leading to the therefore. What's the therefore? It's you must be ready. All right, so be ready. What do you mean be ready? Be ready? What, what does that look like, practically speaking? What do you, so if Jesus is using this illustration, he must be saying, hey, don't do this. And he's probably saying, do this, don't do this. So what is he saying don't do? And then what is he saying, yeah, yeah, don't do that, but do this. Now, I thought uh, a really good way of explaining illustration is to give you another illustration. But maybe it's, some, it's an illustration that you can better relate to. I don't know when's the last time you got your home broken into. Maybe this illustration might be a little bit better in terms of explaining what Jesus is going for. Now, if you're a high school student, would you just raise your hand? Or a middle school, would you just raise your hand? If you're a college student, would you raise your hand? Okay, I'm going to give, oh, give an illustration that you're like, okay, that's right where I live, okay? Now, in, we're going to talk about your favorite topic today. School, yay, okay, we're going to talk about school, okay, now, did you know that in the world of school, there is a judgment day? You know what I'm talking about, now, you don't call it judgment day, but you think of it like judgment day, 
Now, what am I talking about? There, there is a reckoning of all that you've learned. Have you been paying attention, doing your homework? And that day is called the day of the final exam. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's a judgment day in school. Now, here's the thing. When you know there's a final exam, you're like, okay, it's, it's in the end of December. It's th that is when you know there's a certain mentality that kind of sets in. And you know what that mentality is. You kind of wait. You kind of put things off. I'm not going to do it. I can, I can do it later. I can do it. And then when it's two weeks before the, that's really good, huh? Ten days. When it's two days before the final exam. I don't know how, what is it? Seven days? Ten days. Two weeks. Okay, two weeks. When it's two weeks before the final exam, you engage in this mentality, this frantic mentality. It's called cram. Amen? You all know that. You cram. And what do you do? Well, you're a college student. Right? I'm a college student this morning. But what you, what you do is you, you drink coffee. And you, you're going through your notes. And then you're, you're reading the, the, and you're doing the homework. that you, You're cramming. You're cramming. And you're, you're like, in this two-week time, I'm going to cut out everything in life that's irrelevant. Like taking showers and, <laughs> and brushing my teeth. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. All that matters right now is preparing for the judgment day. And so, you know, I actually, I was with a, a college student as they were opening their care package, right? It's like candy, it's candy, it's a chem caffeine. And then, oh, a, a toothbrush. Like, oh, some floss. <laughs> How thoughtful of the people in our community, you know, because we're on to you, we're on to you, because we've been there. I've been there, right? And so you cram and you cram and you cram. Now, now, I, I, just, the, just, I just want you to, to imagine, at the beginning of this chapter, the disciples ask Jesus, and it's kind of like, hey, teacher, when's the final exam, right? When, when is it, remember? When is the final exam? And Jesus sort of goes, the day and the hour of the final exam, no one knows, but it's coming. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine this. Beginning of the school year. Your teacher gets up in front of the whole class, takes out the, the syllabus. Everyone has a syllabus. And, and the teacher goes, class, this year there is a final exam, but I'm not going to tell you when it is. And the students are like, what, what? There is a final exam, and it's going to come like a pop quiz. All right? Now imagine you're, you're in your seats, and you're like, What? What? And then you go home and you're telling your mom, dad, do you know what the teacher said? And then you guys are all like frantic, like what are we going to do? And then you come up with a strategy. Actually, there's only one strategy that makes sense. If this is the situation, there's only one strategy that makes sense. There's only one strategy that makes sense going forward. Parents, kids, you all get together. Okay, uh, honey, I, I think the only thing we can do to really prepare for these unusual circumstances is we need to cultivate an intentional lifestyle. We got to do our homework. We got to pay attention on a regular basis. Right? It's the, only, it's, the, it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only way to move forward. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. M most people, this is most people, and you tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm right. Most people, including myself, we go, you know, look, Jesus hasn't come back. It's been 1986 years. I don't think he's going to come back in my lifetime. He probably won't. Now, now most people, feel, they, th they think that. Now, if you think that, 
then basically you're saying, I know when my own judgment day is. It's at the end of my life. Now, if you know that and you're living life in that way, then basically aren't you saying, I know something that God says I shouldn't know? I know something, and God says, well, you shouldn't know, and you shouldn't live like you know. Isn't that what that, that was happening? And then I think what a lot of people do is like, well, since I have so much time, I'm going to put it off, put it off. And then at the end, when I'm near death, then all those things. But by then, I, you guys, you've wasted so much life in between. Is that what we're about? Is that what we're about? Shouldn't we live each day with the urgency, like Jesus could come back any moment. I got to be ready. I'm cultivating a lifestyle of urgency. That is the essence. Don't cram thinking you got all sorts of time. The time is now. The time is during Advent season. We don't got a day or a week to waste. I, I, I do want to now address the uh, fear question. I want to address the fear question because I, I know a lot of people will read this passage and your impression is that, well, it sounds like Jesus is saying, get your act together or I'm going to come back and throw you into hell. And you're kind of feeling, like, that kind of seems like the message. And so we need to ask the question, is that the message? Is that what Jesus is saying? Get your act together or I'm going to come back and throw you into hell. I want to do my best to answer that question. I think it's a very important question. But we're talking about what do you do with the fear? There's judgment here. Are you calling us to live in this heightened state of red alert tension all the time and walk around like, oh, man. Jesus, you know, is, is that how we're called to live? A couple days ago, my son Ryan was reading a devotional. And I was thinking, you know, a really cool way for him to really learn what he just read is for him to teach it to the rest of us. So I said, Ryan, will you, and he gave us like the shortest de devotional you've ever heard, but I loved it that he tried it out. I'm just like, yes. And it was on worry. And to kind of extend the devotional, I kind of went around. It was just me and the kids. I'm like, hey, let's go around and then share our greatest worry. What are you all worried about? Noelle said, I'm worried that we're going to go to war. Yeah, okay. Christopher then shared what he was worried about. He said, Daddy, I'm uh, worried that I might go to hell. Okay. And then Ryan said, yeah, Daddy, I'm also worried that I might go to hell. That's it. That's what he said. Well, that moment, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, okay, you're thinking, what, what do you normally talk about with your kids before they go to bed? What, are you talking about hell a lot? No, we don't talk about hell that much. You know, normally Raina will might do a devotion. I am thinking, like, what does Raina say to them before they go to bed? No, it's not Raina either. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know where this is coming from, but it's there, all right? And I'm like, Ryan, Christopher, you guys are scared that you're going to go to hell? And then I said, whoa, 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 whoa. How does a person avoid going to hell and wind up going to heaven? How does that happen? How does that happen? And then Ryan says, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you, you got to be generous 
and obey the Ten Commandments and uh, be a good person. And I looked at Ryan and said, Ryan, look at me. Do you think daddy has been good enough to go to heaven? And he looks at me and goes, no. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm, I'm fibbing a little bit. He, 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 he initially said, yeah. And then I, I looked at him and I went, really? You think daddy? Dad, and I did a little mini reflection. Let's just think about it. And then he looked at me and he said, yeah, no, I, I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so, right? And then and I look at Ryan I'm like, Ryan, no one has been good enough to go to heaven. Actually, no, no, no. There has been one person good enough to go to heaven. That one person was Jesus Christ. And he actually was born into the world so that he could die. And the moment he died, now this is beautiful, listen, the moment he died, all of his, well, all of my badness and your badness went on to him. And all of his goodness went on to me and the people who believe. We call that the greatest switcheroo. Now, I know that's not in a uh, seminary book, switcheroo, but I, I thought it was, it was sticky for kids. It's the greatest switcheroo. And so people who believe in this know that they will go to heaven, not because they're good, but because all the goodness of Jesus went on to them. It's beautiful. And when you know that, then your life starts to change. Your priorities change. Why you live each day changes. And there's joy. Now, my, at this moment, you know, he's like, woohoo. And I'm, I'm like excited, like, yes. And I look at Ryan, and he goes down there, and Daddy, he looks at me, Daddy, I'm tired. No, I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> All right, go to bed. I'm going to have to share that message over and over. Not just to all of us, not just to him, but to myself. We always forget that. We always forget that. This actually is good news. This is good news. And the idea is that when a person believes in Jesus, the greatest switcheroo happened, all our badness goes on to him, all his goodness goes on to us, and so life changes. Life changes. You're on a trajectory of becoming a disciple of Jesus who loves God and loves other people and serves the world and is the most rewarding and joyful life you could ever possibly live. Yes, yes, yes. This is what we were called to. Now, when I was originally crafting this message, I wanted to just stop there. It's hopeful. We're good. Let's just move on. And then I was thinking about the passage and just kind of praying a bit, and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't stop there. i got to be as, as honest with the text as I can be. Now look, if your life is on that trajectory and, and they're, they're, because you have received Jesus, your life and your purpose is changing. and it's, That's awesome. You, you should not be afraid. You should live with joy every day. But what if you're like, I haven't received Jesus as my Savior? What if you're like, you know something, I, I, I don't know if my life is in Christ. I don't know if I have this fruit, you know, like this life change course. Then I got to just be honest with the text and compassionate as a pastor and say, well, then I actually do think the most appropriate feeling would be fear. Like, you should be afraid. But may that fear lead to some soul-searching, 
may it lead to some honest confession, may, may it lead towards like, Lord, fill my life, take over, you know? And I guarantee you, it might start in fear, but if you journey with Jesus, it's going to move towards joy and celebration and genuine love. Not like, not like fear of judgment, but this overwhelming sense of gratitude. That's what God is calling us to. And that's the course that we're on. All right. Um, if you remember in the beginning of the message, we talked about entropy. You know, like if you leave your life to go by itself, it will go where you don't want it to go. So you have to be very intentional about cultivating an intentional lifestyle, living every day as if Jesus could come back any moment. Now, I, I think the, the most awful thing would, would be for someone in our church to listen to the words from Matthew 24 and just go, and just feel like, you know, I'm not going to do anything about that. I don't think people actually think that. But sometimes it just happens. You're swallowed up and, you know, I really want to know what we're going to have lunch, you know? And uh, I think that's the worst thing that could possibly come out of this, this message for people just to ignore it. So it, it does put a lot of emphasis on like, okay, so what is God calling us to do? But let me just go individual and go, what is God calling you to do? What is God calling me as an individual to do. And I, I wanted to give you two tests that I thought would be really helpful. Um, and so if this message, it's going to produce something as you really take these two tests seriously. All right? So the first test uh, I'm calling the coffee shop test. It's called the coffee shop test. Now, you're going to have to use a little bit of your imagination with me, uh, but I do think this test will be really helpful. If you guys can search in your, your purse or your pocket for a pen and get ready to write something down, I think that would also be helpful. But here's the, here's the coffee shop test. Let me hear you guys say, coffee shop test. Okay, this is, this is, this is it. Now, you've got to use your imagination uh, with me. But let's say after church, you and I go to a coffee shop. Okay, use your imagination. You and Pastor Andrew are going to a coffee shop. Let's say we go to Starbucks. Now, let's say you order a uh, pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks, and I'm treating you because in this imaginary scenario, I'm very generous, all right? So we're going to Starbucks. I treat you a pumpkin spice latte. We get one of those circle tables. We sit down, and as we're sitting down, I say, hey, I, I have a really deep question for you, and you say, Cool, go for it. And I say, listen, here's the question. If you knew that one week from now, you would stand before Jesus in judgment. If you knew that, one week from now, you would stand before Jesus in judgment. Then when you leave this coffee shop, what would be the first thing you would do? That's the question. Let me say it again. If you knew one week from now, you would stand before Jesus in judgment, what would you leave the coffee shop and do? Now, let's, let's say you really believe this. You're really taking this question seriously. In fact, you don't finish the pumpkin spice latte because it's so urgent, right? And because it's also not very good. But So you, just, you leave it on the small circle table, and then you leave the coffee shop. What's the first thing that you do? 
Now, whatever pops in your mind, first thing that pops in your mind, why don't you go ahead and write it down. If you look in your outline, there's actually a space to write it down. Go ahead and write it down. You write it down, it's more concrete. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to write something down. First thing that came to your mind, oh, I will go do this. Now I'm going to stop talking for 30 seconds. For some of you, maybe you wrote down that you would leave the coffee shop and you would give someone a call. Maybe the person that you would call is someone who has hurt you in the past. And you would call them to really try to reconcile and really to go through the process of forgiveness. And so my word to you guys is, actually, why don't you leave church today and make the call? Don't put it off. Every day with urgency, make the call today. Make the call today. Don't put that off. Uh, I asked my friend the same question. What would you do today if you knew that next week you would stand before Jesus in judgment? And, and the first thing she goes, you know what I would do? I mean, honestly, I'm like, yeah, what would we do? She goes, I would stop watching that disgusting show on Netflix and start reading my Bible. I'm like, yeah, go do that. That sounds good. Don't wait. Do that today. Do that tonight. Some of you are like, I would start tithing. I would give away a lot of money to the poor. Absolutely, make a plan for that. Some of you would say, I would become really bold with my faith. I, I, would, I would go to my parents and say, Mom, Dad, I don't know if you've ever heard something we call the gospel, but give me 10 minutes. I just want to explain to you what it's all about. Well, don't put that off. We don't know if we have time later. Let's do it today. Some of you would make a radical break with a certain kind of sin that you're struggling with. Absolutely. Don't put that off. Let's do that today. We must live every day as if Jesus could come back any moment. We must cultivate an intentional lifestyle. Now, I I asked you a question the coffee shop test, and maybe just the first thing that popped in your head is what God is calling you to do. And if if that's the case, then I want to encourage you to make that the thing you're going to work on during this Advent season for one month. I want to encourage you to lean on God's power. And one more thing, I want to encourage you to tell someone you love and trust what it is that you're going to work on during this Advent season. Because once you share that with another person, it's a whole new level of reality and accountability. So I challenge you to just share that with another person. Okay, here's the second test. The second test we're calling the Galatians 2.14 test. Let me hear you guys say Galatians 2.14. All right, the Galatians 2.14 test, let me, let, me, let me go quick with this. Um, if you look in Galatians 2.14, you will see that uh, there is an event that happened in history. It involves the two premier apostles. There's Peter and there's Paul. And Peter was doing something that was inconsistent with the gospel. And Paul called them out. And he basically said, what you're doing 
is not in step with the gospel. All right, so here is the Galatians uh, 2.14 test. I'm gonna do this in, in prayer form. This is where you would like, like open up your arms. And it, I, I think this is kind of like, Lord, search me, you know? You open up your arms, you look to heaven, and you go, Lord, you search me and you know me. Is there any part of my life that is inconsistent with the gospel? And then you do that, you just, Lord, you search me, you know me. Is there any part of my life that is inconsistent with the gospel? And then you just listen. You just listen to the Holy Spirit. And you see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Now, we're going to do communion. We're going to take the elements, and then you can see there's cushions right here. And this is an opportunity for you when you kneel down and take communion to actually look up to heaven. You don't have to do the arm. You might, you know, poke someone in the eye. You can just look up to heaven, and you just say, Lord, you know me. Is there any part of my life that's inconsistent with the gospel? And you just listen. Just spend a few moments listening, seeing if the Holy Spirit has something to say. Now, there's another possibility, too. Sometimes God uh, speaks directly through the Holy Spirit, directly to your spirit. A lot of times, he uses other people. Now, if you see Peter and and Paul, uh, God was using Paul to bring some life-giving correction to Peter. And so there's a, there's a real avenue for this kind of honest talk. So here would be the, the other version. The other version of this is you're driving home, and inside your car, you have loved ones in your car. And these loved ones are people that you trust, who know you, and just imagine you're driving, and then you turn to that person that you trust and you love, and you go, hey, um, can, can we just have some honest talk? And this person goes, yeah, okay. And you say, I, I want to ask you a question, but can you be nice and gentle and loving with me? And of course, the person would be like, yeah, well, yeah, it depends on what the question is. And then your question is, when you look at my life, do you see anything that's inconsistent with the gospel? Don't qualify, don't say, you know, and then I'm going to do the same for you afterwards. You know, you know don't do that. Just go, you, you say that question, and you're quiet, and then you just listen. I guarantee you that person will probably say some things that you didn't know because we all have blind spots. We have blind spots. We don't see it. People who know us, love us, they see it. And the best way is to give them permission to speak into your life. And so you just say, is there anything in my life that you see that's inconsistent with the gospel? And then you just quiet and you just listen. I guarantee you it's very challenging. It's a very rich exercise. And that's kind of how we grow. Father, during this Advent season, it's a great opportunity for us to remember your first coming in preparation for the next. And so I pray that this time that we have with you would be sacred. And for many of us whom you want to speak to us and show us something maybe that we don't see, I pray that you would speak to our hearts And that this moment would be full of your glory, your compassion, and your grace. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak to your people. We pray these things in your name.